everybody, and welcome to Cast, the first and only Philippine automotive podcast. You're here with me, your host, Inigo Rosas, alongside with Vince Pornelos. Say hi, Vinny. Hello, everyone. And Frank Kim Liu, who's uh, fresh from a trip from Europe. Dude, Say just hi, pick. Kim. Hey, guys. Hey, just pick Kim or Frank. I'm not two people. <laughs> Let's just up, call Frank? you Kim. <laughs> Come on, dude. Hey. <laughs> All right. Well, that's our crowd for tonight, people. And, hey, you forgot uh, we'll JC. Start... Yes, uh, well, you know, he, he's working silently in the background for this episode. Um, uh, just say hi, JC, so people know you're, you're there. Hi, JC. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, that's our fourth member. Okay, so let, let's start with something a little different from what we normally do. We're going to start off with news with a little bit of motorsports. Uh, the Korean Grand Prix, to be uh, precise. Uh, basically, it's the first Korean Grand Prix. It's a very new track. And um, did you catch it, Kim? <laughs> An exciting race. No, I didn't. Actually, when it happened, I was still traveling. Um, when did this oh. happen again? Uh, October Just 24th, right? Yeah. Yeah. I was, actually, I was actually in Sepang yeah. for another engagement. So I unfortunately wasn't to catch, able to catch it. You've been quite the jet. So how was really. it? You missed an amazing race, man. Uh, basically, it was a it was a new track. It was actually a very fresh track. They had just finished laying down the asphalt. They had just really, you know, they, they barely finished the course on time. And you know, it's a miracle the race actually took place. And you know, aside from that, you know, the 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 birthing pains, uh, so to speak, there was uh, lots of rain. So you can imagine you got a fresh track. Um, the the oil and bitumen is still fresh on the asphalt. And then the rain comes pouring down, and it just, you know, builds up. In fact, you know, there were there were some small puddles in parts of the track. I heard so there were a lot of accidents. Yes, as a result of first of all the fresh asphalt, which doesn't allow the water to seep through as easily as more aged asphalt. Well, I mean, it, it just wasn't ready. So, and of course, pe- people aren't familiar with this track, so you can imagine. There are accidents are bound to happen. Even and, during uh, qualifying, was it raining during qualifying, or was this during the actual race? This was during the actual race. But qualifying, uh, everything's fine. Unfortunately, I didn't catch the qualifying, but um, actually, I, I managed to tune in when they had first stopped the race because of the conditions, and this was just four laps in. So, wow. uh, you, and, yeah, laps it was, ago, right? and then the pace car came. Yeah, and then actually, it was shortened to 55. The pace car came out at lap uh, four or five, and they drove around with the pace car in front of them for you know another six to to eight laps, or uh, it maybe even hit uh, ten. You know, it was it was just arduous to watch. <laughs> so I'm wondering, what's so special about this track? Like you know, uh, you've got Singapore where it's actually part of the city and it's a night race. You've got Shanghai, which is actually the shape of the Chinese characters for Shanghai. Um, uh-huh. I mean, what's so special about this track? What's special about well, um, the Korea track? Yeah, yeah. Uh, first of all, um, it's a it's a tilt design track. So, um, so there are uh, banks. You know, lot, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. There are banks. It was, a lot of high speed banks. Uh huh. It's really designed for F1. Um, a lot of the mainstay tracks in F1 are are in fact tilt designed. Um, and uh, this one in particular supposedly has the the new longest straight in F1. Wow. It's um, I believe it's about 1.2 kilometers if I'm not mistaken. So it's wow, a back so... straight, or yeah, uh, or two long straights uh, if I'm not mistaken. So a front so, straight, main straight, and the back straight. Yeah, so uh, you can imagine there's there's lots of you know just flat out acceleration and long braking periods for you know some overtaking action. So, so this must have been uh, really good for uh, what do you call it? Uh, this must have been really good for some of those teams with faster cars like. Uh, Hamilton with uh, uh, McLaren, right? Their cars got the uh, top speed, which is three kilometers more than the rest of the pack. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, the interesting thing is, uh, I think the rain was a balancing factor. So, uh, you know, everyone was a little bit more cautious. And in fact, the braking area after these straights were where most of the accidents happened, in fact, because, you know, you're, you're, you're braking, you're trying to get out of the, the, you're trying to get out of the dirty air of the guy in front of you. And you're breaking, and it's wet. So you know there's so much happening, and it's just all too easy to lose control. And in fact, a lot of accidents happened there. So it was exciting. I mean, we we see guys overshoot the corner. We see a guy try to 
yeah, I mean, Adrian Sutil tried to try to die of another guy, and you know he ended up losing control and smashing into the other guy, and you know it was just hilarious. The the, the other guy seemed to come out scot free while so Adrian Sutil was. This kind of reminds me of the way you're the way you're describing it. This kind of reminds me of those uh, crazy racing. Those days with city cart, like you know, water suddenly appears. You know, everybody gets, everybody starts hitting everybody. Oh yeah, definitely. Pretty I mean, wacky, right? You could see people just losing it. I mean, even the points leader, uh, you know, he he had to retire early because of a uh, because of a little accident. He just gets one tire on the line. You know, Mark Mark Weber had one tire on on the white line on the outside of the lane, and so, you know, he just lost control and crashed the car, and you know, that was it. So who made podium? Yeah, well, the winners are, uh, of course, Alonso takes first place. He was very ecstatic about that. Um, you have, um, let me check my notes. Massa? You For have Massa. Race, I think, yeah, yeah, Massa and Hamilton as well. Yeah, yeah. So uh, again, uh, it was a good showing for Ferrari. So again, who, who made podium again? It was Weber, Alonso, and Hamilton? No, it was Alonso, Hamilton, and Massa. So you have two Ferrari. Weber crashed out. Weber was first. No, Alonso Weber was crashed out. No, no. Alonso oh. was first. Alonso no, was first. no Red Bull finished. Really? Mm-hmm. They're, they're, they're pretty good with the... I know they're pretty good with qualifying. Always first and second, right? But again, you know, the, the rain was definitely a deciding factor, I think. The, the winner of the race was Alonso. Yes, Fernando Alonso. Who is now points leader, right? Who is now points leader as a result then, because uh, the points leader, Weber, had uh, crashed out. And then who's second? Second, I believe, is... No, f- second for the late race. Oh, for the race, it's uh, Hamilton. Hamilton, Hamilton, yeah, yeah. Hamilton, yeah. And then Massa was third. Massa, the second Ferrari, rounds it out. So, you know, it was an interesting race. Um, I, I guess you can clearly see you know, how, how, how close it was for Korea uh, to finish the track uh, right before the racing weekend. So, yeah, I guess it's a lesson learned for FIA, you know. <laughs> and as you can imagine, you know, the... There was mud the on the track, right? Yeah, yeah. It, it, it uh, poured on a bit of mud on the track, which made conditions even worse. There was that debris. Should, that shouldn't happen in a that shouldn't happen in an F1 race, man. Mud. Yeah, I think like... the main problem is just that you know it was just cutting it too close. You know the the track wasn't finished. Uh, there wasn't enough preparation, and uh, I guess it just created a whole snowball of problems. But you know, but I mean, it was these these kind of race races with you know with with these problems. Uh, mm-hmm. Makes for some really good racing and really interesting racing, which yeah, yeah, <laughs> really, it's really boring lately. If you see cars going around the track, nothing. It kind of breaks up. Change it up. Yeah. It kind of breaks yeah. away from the norm. So, I think this crazy race kind of you know made the season a little bit exciting, and you know we have a new points leader. Okay, yeah. so I mean, what else do we have for news? So next up, yeah, well, right, what's well, next? You got? Yeah, let's move to our to to our local shores now and um, talk about new cars coming in. We're talking about the Lexus hybrids. Now, oh, yeah. we're not talking about just one, but two hybrid vehicles that they have brought in. Now, regardless of, you know, whatever whatever low emission, the, or absence, rather, of low emission taxes, uh, Lexus has opted to bring in the LS600HL, which is limousine, and the RX um, uh, 450H. 450H, there we are go. These, are these just... Press units? Are these just uh, demo units, or are they actually looking to uh, sell these, this in the local market? Cars, these are cars officially for sale from Lexus. Wow. Mm. Okay. Yes. So how much are how much is the limousine and how much is the SUV? Well, I know the the you know one can help but draw comparisons against the closest competitor, which is the Mercedes um, Mercedes S- Hybrid. I believe, yeah, yeah the S Class Hybrid, S-400. which I believe is above. Yeah. 10, 10 million, 10 million pesos. Ouch. Um, the Lexus undercuts that price. It's, I think, uh, it's under 10 million, definitely. Um, it could be, I think, um, 8 or 9M. So, you know, you have a hybrid that's cheaper than the the previous um, only hybrid. So, I mean, that's that could put a dent in Mercedes sales. Um, or, you know, hybrid sales could just go up in total. And uh, for the... RX, how much would that be? Four million, five million? The RX, I, I, I didn't quite get the price on this one, but um, definitely it's a notch higher than the typical RX, um, RX SUV. So I think we're talking somewhere in the area of four to five million pesos. But, but really, uh, comparing the Lexus and you know, I mean, the Lexus hybrids to let's say the S class hybrid, the the S class mm-hmm. hybrid is more of a mild hybrid, wherein yeah. the 
the you know the, the electric drive system is kind of a secondary thing, whereas the with with, with the Lexus one, it's um, as we see in the Prius, the the hybrid is really uh, it, it's re it's really a full hybrid in the sense that they really work in unison, you know. So it it really plays off each other. You don't mm -hmm. you don't and see I think, that much. I think the, the crucial cars. difference here is that. The electric motor can power the car independently. That's uh, that's one Correct. of the distinguishing factors, right? From yes. a mild hybrid and a full hybrid. Kind of like the GT3 R hybrid, where you get power from braking and store it in this little uh, transformer or something, which comes out as a boost. Yes, you but that's yeah. that's not a that's not a hybrid in the sense that it's it's more of a a power boost, not not really to cut down emissions. Now, both mild and full hybrids have this feature. The difference between the mild and full is that the full has an electric motor that can operate independently. That means it can just run solely on the electric motor. As long as, as long as you have the charge to power it. Definitely, yeah. And another interesting feature is how this, um, how the electric motor helps these cars. Um, you you want to care to explain on that, Vince? I mean, uh, in what um, sense? Well, first of all, what wheels does it power? Uh, well, what do you mean by what wheels does it power? Powers uh, uh, the well, in in a typical hybrid, you know, they're all directed to one set of wheels, uh, usually the front. In this case, we have an all-wheel drive um, LS600H. Yes, the all-wheel drive LS600H, yes, which is, allows you to put more power down, So, which is unusual for Lexus. Because usually for, for the LS, they've pretty much had the, the rear-wheel drive as a standard, whereas all-wheel drive was always an option. But uh, with... With the 600h, with the more with the increased power and torque, and and of course the the drive of the electric motor, they've decided to power all the wheels, making it a performance hybrid, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and again, which brings us to the RX450, which is an SUV and should typically be a four-wheel drive. What did they do different with this car? Uh, I don't see they that they did much different with this car. It was. The the real dif difference is, is in the heart of the car, which is the hybrid synergy drive, or well, mm -hmm. Lexus synergy drive, as they call it in Lex. But uh, there you go. Well, uh, I guess another thing we 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 sort of missed here is well, the RX is uh, it is a four wheel drive, but it is a part time four wheel drive. So yes. the the engine typically powers the front wheels. Mm -hmm. And so then the electric motor, the electric motor kicks in to power the rear wheels, the rear wheels for traction on demand. So it's not a, a fully locking. It's not a fully locking 4x4, it's just a, a real-time, so to speak, or on-demand 4x4. Kind of yes, like the CRV before. We have CRV <laughs> now. Uh -huh. And of course, you know, both cars benefit from you know, these unique Lexus features. Both of them have um, electronic CVT, so um, it makes for some smooth acceleration. And of course, the usual luxury amenities like the, the premium oh, yeah, sound. You can't, you can't uh, get any more luxurious than Lexus. Of course, uh, Mercedes and BMW will disagree, but... Uh, in terms of uh, luxury and you know, serenity inside a cabin, Lexus is still unparalleled. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're we're talking about a how many piece speaker system inside the LS? Uh, I think 21 or 18, something like that. Wow, that's a lot. Wow, that's a lot of speakers for one that's car. That's a lot of speakers, yes. And and you got the the DVD player in, in that LS, and you got the ottoman, the the massage seat, and you know, just think of the. Is the DVD player even Blu-ray? <laughs> In Eagle, no, you're, thinking, you're thinking about it in the wrong, maybe right way. <laughs> well, what? You know, I was just thinking of lounging back. You you have a dirty mind, mister. <laughs> no, I did not mean it in that way. What I meant is you are going to slough yourself in that car. Yeah, exactly. You know, and just, you know, sit back and watch, enjoy the massage, right? I mean, that's what All you're right, guys, to. get a room. So uh, what else do we have next? All right, well... You know, when when we move to the next uh, topic at hand, and it, it's also why we have um, we have our dear friend Kim here. You see, Kim has hey, just it, been on an automotive pilgrimage, uh, if you will. He's so that's um, the only reason I'm here. <laughs> no, no, no. We always enjoy your company and especially your commentary, man. Come on. I mean, this isn't the first time you're here. You were here in our previous show as well, right? <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think J JC agrees <laughs> to uh -huh. some extent. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so uh, yeah, I just came back from I Europe back. Mm -hmm. on my so-called uh, automotive pilgrimage, uh, starting mm -hmm. out with the Paris Auto Show. I know you guys have already discussed it, uh, talked about it in the last episode. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. We've you, talked uh, about the, yeah, the, think... the lovely, lovely cars. I mean, what was your favorite there? I mean, if you could pick one to just bring home, you know, don't worry about the cost and expenses, yeah. whatever. Just which I car think, would I you think bring? Kim, I think Kim is bringing home a model from that, from that, I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh, forget uh, the car, huh? Yeah. No, she, she's, already, she's already here. You, no. you stuffed her in your suitcase? What, what, how'd you get that past customs? No, Italian girl, uh, French girls, you can fold them really easily. They're pretty, oh, they're pretty bendy. Them, yeah. They're pretty bendy. <laughs> anyway, uh, kidding aside. The Dab are very lax, you know. <laughs> You've got to go through Manila, man. Uh, kidding aside, uh, um, the Paris Auto Show. Uh, if you guys read my article, if some of you guys read my article on autoenthusia.com, there's a lot of, their thrust really was for hybrids, lower emission or zero emission, but there was still a lot. There's not a lack of supercars, hypercars, race cars. Yeah, but, but Kim, uh, with, with most motor shows nowadays, it's really all about being green and hybrid. Exactly. I mean, exactly. So, what's, so um, what's special about about Paris? Uh, well, I think they they launched a lot of new cars. I sadly missed uh the Lotus booth because it was pretty crazy. I didn't. Uh, if I would have been there, I probably would pick the new Elise or the new uh, Esprit. But since I wasn't there, one car really got me. I was enamored by this car. I was supposed to drive test drive a couple of electric cars in the basement. I was too late mm-hmm. because I got stuck in the booth of Lamborghini. Ah, the the new Sesto Elemento. The Sesto Elemento. Oh my God! I was brought back to my childhood days, like when I first saw the Countach. So when I saw yes, this, yes, yeah, I have to agree. I mean, the the resemblance is uncanny. Oh my God! It's like it's uh, it's like when I first saw the car, I thought you just press the button, it would transform into a Gundam. It was an amazing car. It was very bare inside. Basically, now they're con- they're concentrating more on lightening, not adding more power, but lightening the car, making it more uh, a little uh, quicker, basically more efficient because of the weight reduction. Mm-hmm. And it's now, this, such this a big lightening. Deal. This lightening has a lot to do with the car's name. I mean, Sesto Elemento. Could you explain what that means for us? Sesto Elemento, basically in Italian, in English, it's Italian. It means the sixth element, which I don't know what is the sixth element. I'm only up it's to the carbon, fifth. Which, it's really, carbon, it's the sixth element in the periodic yes, table. There we go. Oh, I thought. I was thinking like from the movie. I, I was thinking like from the movie Fifth Element. You know, the fifth element is love. You know, because you've got wind, water, earth, fire. I don't, wow. I don't element. know your education. <laughs> What? <laughs> my my education is based uh, on Bruce Willis and uh and uh that girl. <laughs> Mila Mila Jovovich. So uh, um I, I guess I would pick that car. I know it's a cliche, it's a supercar, but for me it's a big breakthrough in, in what Lamborghini's doing now. I mean kudos to the to Audi for making that happen too. Actually, no, I mean uh, I'd have to agree with that car. With that car, it was really a, a, a technology demonstrator for Lamborghini. Yes, they were, they were trying they to, were, they were trying to show the public and every everybody else they how were they trying can to show off. Period. Yes, they were <laughs> trying to show up because they have a huge facility, R&D facility that's researching on use of carbon fiber and different other elements. So they yes. put that all in this car, which is and the result amazing. It's stunning, and I believe this car can reportedly do zero to one hundred and. 2.5, right? I mean, 2.5 seconds, which uh, similar wow. to that of the Bugatti Veyron Grand Sport, but I don't oh, know what the price will be serious. since it's a it's not in production. Yep. So, is wow. it going into production? What's the word in this car? I mean, well, it, it obviously stirred some emotions. Um, they maybe are, even <laughs> their ultimate aim is to have it in production by I think 2012 or the tail end of 2011. But right now, as of now, it's still a concept. So. I'm crossing my fingers. I'd really want to see this car on the streets. I'd want to see. I want to hear what it sounds like. I want to see it on uh, TV. It's it's such a it's such an amazing car. It really was. You look at it. There's so much passion in the, in this thing. Mm-hmm. As do all of us. Okay, so let's move on to the well the the next item on your itinerary, sir. <laughs> uh, you you went to well for car guys. You you went to our mecca. Our our. But our, before our we, before we the talk, foundation of our religion, the, the Nurburgring. Oh, before we talk <laughs> about that, I just like to touch base because uh, the way I planned my trip was, I wanted to do it slowly, from grassroots up, right? So I went to a show as a fan, then uh, I I went to Schumacher's karting facility in Kirpen in Germany. Oh, okay, 
Okay. Mm-hmm. So I started with the carts, you know, so you don't get really shocked. Um, ah, all right, all right. So work your way up slowly, yeah. Exactly. Amazingly, um, the, when I first got there, I was all smiles. I mean, finally to be there, to be in something that something as uh, I mean, it it may not be as huge as Nurburgring, but I know I was getting there was slowly. Michael, there? Michael wasn't there. Nobody was there. So, I not mean, even I Ralph? don't think I don't think they even go anymore. Um, there are two tracks, right? Uh, the indoor track and the outdoor track. The indoor track is very technical. The These outdoor are track indoor, is more outdoor karting tracks. Exactly. Um, the indoor track is quite long. The outdoor is even longer. Uh, the guy there told me the carts were wonderful. They're amazing carts. Nothing like the carts we have here. And they're quick. Oh, they're stable. Are they, are they 400cc and above? Um, um, do they have gears? Do, I mean, they don't have gears. Basically, they're, they're not shifter carts. They're... Mm-hmm. The regular clutch system, regular transmission, but they were just really nice, well maintained. You know, you can tell they're very expensive cars. The tires were all, everything was like new. So I get in wow. there. Uh, I asked the guy, "What's a good time?" He says, "You do anything by below one minute and fifty, you're okay for a first timer." So, you know, this is the indoor or outdoor. The indoor track. Of obviously, I went in for the you know. There's even oh, a. That is a huge track if it takes you a minute 50 to go around. And that's a fast yes, lap. That's a fast lap. So um, what, did, what, did, what did you do? Come on, be honest. I was trying uh, to go for 148, 147. I think you I think paid a timer. I, I, <laughs> it's actually, you can't pay anybody because it's computerized. Unlike where you're from, Vince, where is that? Which channel? <laughs> but anyway, um, I did a 149 flat, almost like 149.01, something like that. I was pretty happy with it until I asked the guy, so what's the best time here? And he tells me, amazingly, I don't know how they do it, but somebody did a 144. And I asked the guy, I said, are you serious? He said, yes. I said, "Is Michael? was Michael the one who did that? He says, no. It's some little girl that used to work here. Some so little I, girl? <laughs> and I was, I was pushing. I was Where really trying to find... She should be an F1, man. I don't know, man. The, the nice thing you, about the track in the middle, hold on, there's a Kim, Kim, hold on, hold on. Before you, you were beaten by a girl. Wait, <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, wait. You were bitten by a little girl. Ooh. You know what? I will not be ashamed of that. I mean, it takes more of a man to admit it because I drove in the Nurburgring, and I'll tell you there are others. There's a lot of stuff. There, the the people just because because we're here in the Philippines, we're not that involved. We're not as advanced, I would admit, than they are. Um, so many people there start at eight, nine years old. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's so available to them, and the facilities are so good. The nice thing about this track, though, in the center of the uh, the, the karting track, there's a huge helmet, Schumacher's helmet, you know, and it acts as like a rotonda. So basically, you're not following a line, but you've got to, you're not you're not following uh, a track, but you've got to go around that rotonda it's a and try to find your helmet? yeah, and you're trying to find your own apex going into the next turn. So it's it's like a twist. It kind of throws you off, right? You know, because it's a, it's in the middle. There's no there's no lines or whatever. No whatsoever. No I mean, no no berm, flat. no nothing. Yeah, it's just flat. So you get in there, you you find your way in. You know, you, it's all wide. You can use it as wide as you want, as tight as you want. So oh, it's some, it's the first yeah. time I've seen that in the track. And this is I still think, the indoor. I think what they're getting at there is that they're they're trying to train you how to read a racetrack. That's true. Yeah, regardless but, of the typical markers. I mean, it's very technical. Yeah. yeah, like when you see uh, a, a chicane, you can you can tell where the apex is, if you should hit it, the late apex, early apex, true apex. This one, you're like, okay. Then you've got to flick the card a little bit to get through it, which actually saves the time. But, so it's a bit of a slippery surface. No, it's 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 it seems slippery, but the tires are dead on like really sticky and if you slip we're still talking about the indoor track here yeah it's not slippery slippery where you you feel the tail coming out and you're siding trying to recover if it slips it kind of like hops and it shakes okay that's that's got grip yeah yeah it's 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 got a lot of grip Mm -hmm. so did you tire the outdoor track no unfortunately i had no more energy or time because i did two sessions in the indoor track trying to go to 148 So I, I wasn't able to. I started. I had a good race with this older guy who was there. We were like neck and neck, kind of like me and Chris before when we do the C C cup. Uh-huh. And it was pretty good. When we got down of the carts, he just came up to me and said, "It was a nice race." I said, "Yeah, we were overtaking each other." 
But Team okay. Philippines won, so. <laughs> so would you recommend this destination to any uh, future travelers? Definitely. So um, car- Schumacher's karting facility is like 30, 30 to 40 minutes away from Cologne. And Cologne mm-hmm. and the Nürburgring is about an hour away from Cologne. So if you're on your way to the Nürburgring, save about half a day, drop by Schumacher's facility. And how about um, euros? How much to save? Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I rented a car, so I was in, I rented the mini club man, so uh, fit all the uh, suitcases. I mean the karting track. How much? I think I paid 28 euros for one session. So 28 to 30, that's about uh, 1,800. Oh my God! Whoa. That's for like I think 12 minutes, something like that. What that that is? Uh, well, I guess we're just used to. Yeah. yeah, we're we're used to <laughs> being back there. For, for us, 600 is expensive labor. already. You know? Not trust yeah. me. I mean, I would pay the 1,800, then the 600 here. It's a very good experience. Okay. I would do just one session there, then doing three here. Okay, so let let's move up to the next step in the the automotive pilgrimage um, to to the Sorry homeland, to... the seat of our religion. Yes. Uh, Nurburgring. Yes. First of all, tell oh us how you got. God. I mean that. That's an adventure in itself. So this I is mean, leading. This is okay. This is for me. Was still until okay. But this was. This is the pinnacle of supposed to be the pinnacle of my trip. Um, I've planned it a month ahead, a month and a half ahead. So I uh, rented an M3 on the track. Ooh. I was going for a an exige, and the car rental place wouldn't allow me because they didn't know who I was. I okay. later would understand why. <laughs> So they don't know you? Uh, what how's that possible? What what <laughs> they, they, they don't, don't know that they don't, they don't know don't, Liu? They they don't know Liu. Yeah. How they don't they know Liu. Know what, what? <laughs> oh, Liu. No, but more seriously, um so I guess you have to get accreditation to, it's, to it's get only that. Liu. <laughs> and and no. yet they willingly lend you an E an E ninety two M three. I will explain why and I understood why. The E ninety two first and foremost has a lot of the driver safety options like traction control, stability control, airbags, all that. Okay. Um, I get I get to the track. I get I drive an hour from uh, Kirpen. I get there. I check in in uh, Amtier Garden, which is the hotel of Sabine Schmidt. Now, hold on. The the M3 you pick up at Nurburgring, or did you have that previously? No, I pick it up at the their office, and we take it to the entrance of the Nordschleife. So uh, okay. I get that the day I, I go out to drive. So I arrive the day before, I check in in the hotel, Sabine's mm-hmm. hotel, Sabine Schmidt, who we all know is oh, like the fastest woman in the Nürburgring. Hoping mm-hmm. to see her, but unfortunately uh-huh. she wasn't there. But I met her sister, Ursula, who was very kind yeah. and gracious. She's a little older, but yeah, she's, she's if you like older you'd than that. <laughs> I don't think we oh, should I talk about it. Sorry, Ursula. <laughs> yeah. uh, has I saw the friend so zone here, but okay, keep going. Uh, <laughs> Oh snap! Um, so um, yeah, so we check in. It's a nice hotel, very homey. The next day, she helps out with like finding the place for the car. Uh, I get to the car. I mean, before that, I went around the F1 track, uh, went into the museum, checked everything out, looked at the 24-hour 4D movie for the 24-hour race. Then I get oh. to the track, all pumped up, right? So I pick up the M3. Wait, you say a 4D wait, movie? Yeah, there's a 4D movie about the 24-hour race in the Nurburgring, which is so pretty good. So 4D meaning with, with the smells with like, and stuff like that. Yeah, with smells and water if it's raining oh. and and cool. And it, it's air running air. real time, with the the one no, 24 no, no, hours. It's 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 like uh-huh. 30, it's like 30, 15 minutes, but it basically showcases how you prepare for it and what happens during the race. So oh, okay. I I I head to the track, pumped up. I had to pick up my car, pumped up. I get there. I said. Oh, I thought I was renting a white M3, and they say, oh, that crashed last week. We had about five cars that crashed last week. So I had a new, brand spanking new, gray E92 M3, right? So they give us the driver details, the rules, there's a, this whole briefing. Uh, they give you your helmets, you get in the car, you get to the track. We wait there for about 30 minutes because they were waiting for the race to finish. Then you line up to get out, right? So as soon as I get out, the instructor stays with me. So he says, I'll stay with you with one lap. I'll show you the breaking points, the lines and everything. I said, okay, good. Sounds good. So I go out. Lo and behold, the first turn. Okay. Mm-hmm. I know I uh, borrowed your uh, old GT, Gran Turismo 4. Grand, right? Yeah, the train. To practice, to train <laughs> for the track. 
lo and behold, the first turn, Inigo. Oh my god. We all this, know the answer to that. <laughs> this ain't no video game. So, <laughs> you know, you, I kind of memorize some of the turns, but you second-guess yourself every way. The difference between the Nürburgring and any other track is, one, the elevation change. You can feel it in your ears. Um, you're going fast and it hurts. It feels like you're diving. You're going down underwater. Uh, secondly, you can't see the turns, what's next. So you second guess yourself because of either elevation change, it's covered by trees or it's covered by something. So it's always blind corners and it's and there are motorcycles whizzing by. So I, I gun it the first lap because I know this is the only time I'm gonna have somebody navigating for me. Mm-hmm. So I go out, I do all out and he says, Kim, slow down. I said, no, 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 I'm going all out because the next lap you're not here. So we go down the we go down the Nurburgring. You can feel like and the car, he doesn't the car. argue with you about this. He doesn't argue with me. <laughs> Basically, okay. if I if I crash the car, it's thirty five thousand euros. So oh um, boy, you'd be <laughs> stuck there washing dishes in Sabine's hotel. <laughs> I don't mind, man. I wish I could live there though. He tells you to stay uh, one meter away from the kinks, one meter away from certain verbs, because if you hit that, you're airborne a little bit, and when you land, it's a curb. It's another chicane return. It really will get you in trouble. So I I do a pretty decent lap. I was overtaking hot hatches. I was overtaking a couple of old uh, older supercars, and it was good. I had time of my life the first lap. Uh, The carousel. Some lines you learn from the PS that it's you take it differently when you're in the ring. Like the carousel, you really you really tuck in to the the bricky brick area. And then you go up, mm-hmm. after that, you go up on the top heavily of the banked area. Yeah, yeah. And then the, the carousel, the banked area, and then you go up to certain verbs, berms. Mm-hmm. And then um, you realize when the guy tells you, you realize that he tells you, you realize that most of the corners are late apexes, right? Yeah, I kind of see that now. That's why the Nurburgring is best driven slow and fast up. So I kind of get that now. So, um, All right. the car, the car so what was, was your lap? What was your lap like, you know, um, without the instructor? It was basically, I was scared. I tried to gun it. I tried to gun it when he wasn't there. I hit one of the bur- uh, the kinks. I was airborne for a few seconds. When I land, I just got really, really frightened, and I said, "I'm not gonna do that again." Because <laughs> right. I, I could feel Lesson it. learned. Yeah. So I slowed down, and you could see all these hot hatches passing me this time. Now I'm the guy, the slow guy. I saw. I even saw one of these quick SUVs pass me. I would get them in the straights, but when I get to the corners, I'd be just too worried about it. So. Okay, what uh, SUV was this? Uh, I don't, you know, you don't look at your speed, you don't look at anything, you don't look at the cars <laughs> passing. You just go. You just know it by the shape. It's either a small car, big car, sports car, that's it. You just go. You can't actually time yourself because the back straight, which you see in the PS2, where you go mm-hmm. 250, 260 kilometers an hour, sixth gear, you, you, can't because you can't because they cut it in half. Basically, you have to pit in. Oh. Oh man. And then when you go out again, there are cones because there are some people that pass directly, they don't pit in. So they just oh. want to avoid accidents accidents for people, new new people coming in. And those you uh, can basically RS must be the race organizer here. Huh? Oh, I kind of oh, saw JP oh. still organizing. <laughs> no, no, yeah. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. I love JP, man. I love Gates, huh? <laughs> but JP did I mean, actually, even, if, even if you have a four lap pass, you can't go straight through, you got to pit out. No, you, you can go straight through, but when you go straight through, you're going through cones. Oh, okay, so irregardless. Basically, yeah, basically I pitted in because I had to let the instructor go. Did he let? Amazing. Did he want to go or did he? No, it's re- they really they really have to go. <laughs> After one lap, they have to go. So you're alone in the track. It's, it's, it wasn't it's you amazing. that forced him out. <laughs> no, no, no. He really has to go. Was, I kind of scared him. You got to go. You got to go. But you know the yeah. funny thing? I was really lucky. Well, that kind of go. Uh-huh. The, instru- the instructor I was with, obviously, all the instructors race in the ring, right? Um, mm-hmm. They do the 24 hours and everything. The guy I was with, uh, my name slips his mind, but he's on my Facebook now. He was part of the team, the test driving team, that designed the E46 M3 on the ring. So he uh. was telling me that he already, t- they already, BMW toned it down from the original specs. So it was a little more, a little racier when they first gave which, it to BMW. Which M3? The one you're driving? No, the, the E46, the, 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 one, one. Okay. the previous one, yeah, the, the, the model before. Um, we were both in agreement that the E46 before was so much better as a driver's car than the current uh, E92. It felt a little uh, bit... From one actually. owner to another, eh? Yeah? <laughs> the, guy, the guy actually races Porsches. He doesn't race BMWs. And oh, he was telling okay. me, like, 
I was telling so him you're talking uh, to the wrong guy. I was going to Fiorano to drive uh, Ferraris, and he was telling me that he actually raced with Ralph and Michael car- during the karting days, and then he went oh, on okay. to be a test driver while these guys, you know, duked it out in F3, and they were successful. So, well, I mean, it's a career choices you make, right? Um, all in all, I would definitely recommend the Nurburgring. What you should do is what I should have done from the very start: get a small car. That's uh, one of the, the cheaper ones and go as many times in the, the ring as you can because it's 77 turns. You're not going to be able to get that in four laps. And basically, you're there for the ring, not for the car. So and you, I, you, you can't take the M3 all out. It's, is it too powerful? No. I I I, I just gunned it. And the, the portions that I should have gunned it, I gunned it. with the, I was flooring it. Um, it's powerful, but because of all the driver aids, you could, you know, you had a little bit more confidence. But it was okay. I mean, it's not too much power for the ring. Like I said, it's a really long track. Uh, uh-huh. As for the price, you have a lot of options. I would recommend uh, the car company that I rented from, RSR. Uh-huh. You can check them out online. Online, So it's RSR, Nürburgring. Just Google it. The price ranges from 300 euros to uh, anywhere from, if you wanted Lamborghinis, they're probably thousands. The M3 was about seven, 800 euros. That includes the gas the uh, insurance and the, the ring tickets. If you want to mm, just rent okay. your car, bring your car in and uh, rent the lap tickets. I think the lap tickets for four laps are, I think if I'm not mistaken, is about 20, 30 euros. Uh, but now, when th- you rent a car, you you have to specify that you're taking it to the ring lest you be fined or how does that go? No, you can't take a rental car, a normal rental car on the ring. There are people there from the different rental companies that watch, that observe. Uh-huh. So if it's there, yeah. they're going to slap you with a big fine. So your $100 rent-a-car is going to be probably a $500 rent-a-car. So <laughs> you go to these specified car rental shops that actually rent cars out for, for the Nürburgring. For the ring, oh, yeah. Okay. okay, just the last question, Kim. What's what's your time in the ring? Look, you, you're not allowed to time. They're, they're pretty strict on it. Like You can't time. Oh, if they, see, they see you timing, they will kick you out of the ring. If they what? see you taking videos, they'll kick you out of the ring. What? Seriously? They're pretty strict. Why? Because uh, there are a lot of people have gotten into accidents because of these. And uh, like they showed us in the video, there's a couple of guys, as an example of stuff that happened. Like that weekend alone, four ca- cars from that company crashed. And some oh, of them, oh, wow. and then the weekend before, the, the, the M3, the white one crashed. So it always happens. Like. They were showing me in the video, there were a couple of guys who rented a 911, mm-hmm. uh, I think it was a 996 or 997, went out of the track and started racing. They don't, they, they discourage racing. They really don't want you to race with other cars. Tried to race with another 911. So the, unfortunately, these guys crash. And when they crash, they go back mm-hmm. out and oil is like uh, dripping and all that. And they, the procedure is if you crash, you stay there and you, you call the emergency, they call you, they oh, come in. Okay. So they, might, the, the car you, survived it and they pulled away anyway. Yeah, and, and you might, you know, get another person in, into trouble because of the oil that's okay. or or coolant that's spill, slipping. Uh, I mean, spilling. There's another class of safety measures there. Yeah, so there's a lot, and overtaking is only allowed uh, on the left side. You can't overtake on the outside. It's always on the left, oh. not, never on the oh. right. Um, you've got a signal if you're slower, signal right, so you move right, and the faster car moves into the left. But a lot of rules, man. I mean, I guess it's for safety because it's a public road. Like this guy who crashed, I saw on the video. The guy explained, he pauses the video. This is the car they were racing with. It was a black 911. These guys oh. don't know that these, this guy in the 911 was just egging them to do it. He's a professional race car driver. He's in the ring every weekend. And he, he was always, baiting. Yeah, he was baiting them. And they crash. Oh, boy. All right. So All right. I well. guess my advice is keep it, keep, it, keep, uh, keep it together when you're in the ring. And uh, you'll be you'll be fine. Okay. Well, let's talk about the other racetracks you've been on. Um, again, th- this is not the only track. You've been on two more tracks. Yes, I have. Nürburgring. Um, I thought the Nurburgring, which was a childhood dream, not really a childhood dream, but a dream for the last 10, 10, 15 years, would be it. It would be something that 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 it would be the pinnacle of this trip. But I mm-hmm. was fortunate enough to be uh, invited. Or included to, uh, to, to uh, fortunate enough to join a special trip by uh, 
one of a very gen uh, one of these very generous benefactors. It's a trip to uh, Italy, so uh, with the Fiat Group, so Alfa Romeo, Ferrari, and uh, Fiat. I get to drive for four days on uh, in the Varano circuit, which is the home circuit of Maserati, and uh-huh. Fiorano, which is the home circuit of Ferrari, their test track. Now, are these tracks close together or it's quite some distance apart? Yeah, where where is Varano? Varano is near Parma. Parma is about an hour away from Milan. So I get into Milan. Uh, they take us on a on a they take us on a bus to like a coaster to Parma. We stay overnight. The next morning we go to Varano. Okay. So they start us slowly, small, slowly. They they give us an obstacle course with the Fiat Pandas. Then they put <laughs> rollers behind the Fiat 500s, and we try to drift the Fiat 500s with the rollers. Mind you, it's a lot different than doing. Is action. that the one with the with the four training wheels? Yes, it's a lot different. Ah, okay. It's a lot different than doing it with actual rear-wheel drive cars. Basically, it's like doing it handbraking a front-wheel drive car. It's it's different dynamic. Um, then you do that. Then we get into. Uh, I drove on the track, the Ferrari. Uh, Brera gas, and I drove the diesel one too. Then I got Alpha into... Brera, you mean? Ah, oh, sorry, Alpha Brera. Ah, yeah. Okay. Then I I get into the Giulietta. Uh, they put us Ooh. through the Giulietta in uh, one of these uh, okay. wet course wet courses. That... An, it, this is an older model, right? The Giulietta. Yeah, probably two years ago. Uh, no, it's still in production now. The oh. the Giulietta. They take us to this wet track where there's on the surface, it's filled with water, but there are two steel panels. Once you get on top of it, there's a sensor that senses you're there. It kicks you out. So basically, it's like going through a flash flood, and then you've got to catch it. So oh, you count, okay. count it, it's sort of a, it. a, what do you call it, hydroplaning test. Yeah, hydroplaning test. So basically, you catch wow. it by counter steering. So it's your reflexes, getting you ready for the track, right? Um, we, we, we get in that, and lo and after that, they finally put us in on the track in Verano. So I get into the Alfa Romeo 147 GTA. This car was all stock except for the full intake and full exhaust. And I think some of the suspension were. So, I mean, uh, I'm not big. Stock in, um, it, a bit, I'll talk about more modifications in the next few cars, but this is one of the bare race cars. So you okay, get in. Relatively. Relatively. Sort of production bare. spec. Yeah, shorter production spec. Yeah. So I get in there uh, with an instructor who's pretty helpful, doesn't say anything. You ask him, he just said, was it too, oh, too quick? Okay. Yeah, too quick. Yeah, so, but he was pretty cool about it. Um, so I get in that car. After my first lap, I had really new respect for Alphas. I mean, I really saw them as pretty boy, pre- pre- preppy cars. But after the, uh, the 147 GTA, oh my God, it was such an amazing drive. I mean, I would... Pick that over a one series or probably even a Subaru. Uh, it was a very nice yeah. car. Yeah, it was front wheel drive. It had a straight six, I think, about 200 horses. It was pretty good, uh, 200 something horses. I took it around the track, a couple of laps, then brought it back. Then another progression came in. They gave us the 147 GTA full race sequential gearbox. My, oh my God. God. I drove that car. I was like, oh my God. God, this is amazing. I mean, all out. This is the touring car level. It really was a touring car. It was all there, fully modified. Took it out, light as a feather. It was amazing on the track. I mean, uh, I really enjoyed driving that car. So Uh, fully fully stripped car. Fully stripped car. With a full-blown touring car. Yes, and slicks, sequential gearbox, light clutch just for downshifting, just for heel and towing. Really nice car. All digital, everything. Um, roll cage, racing seats. So we get in that car. After I get down, I had the privilege to drive only one of 500 cars made. It was the Alfa Romeo 8C Competizione, limited edition. So Ooh. they had, they had three on the track for us. This was a big ass V8, 500. I mean, 450, 500 horsepower. It uh, paddle shift, uh, all stock. So we took it around the track, a couple of laps. It was, uh, I could compare it more or less to the M3, a little quicker, but a little heavier too. But wait, wait. I mean, this limited production car, it, it's only like the M3? What? 
hardly it seen felt, worth your cash. It felt like it, but uh, it's it's Italian, you know. Yeah, but it's, it's uh, really it. I mean, the bells and whistles. It mixed up whatever the passion. The passion. Il il passione. Il passione. Yeah. See, see. See, see. Anyway, yes. Go ahead. Yeah. So um. It was it was a very nice car. Uh, grant, granted, it was more powerful, but I like I like my cars a little a little more mechanical, so to say. So we took it around. It's, it's too electronical, or too, yeah, it's too many I, 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 one I don't like. You you're not allowed to turn the driver aids off. I mean that's one of the rules. I mean you're not going for time, right? So it was. But of fat. course, your finger your your finger slipped and pressed the button. What can I do? It, it could happen to anyone, you know. It, it, it could happen it, to anyone. They're close. To, you know, they're when, so close when, together. When, when you're breaking fast car and and my fingers are sweaty, it's sli- oh my god, it's off. When you okay. when you're bra- when you're breaking, right? Oh, okay, sorry. What was that? Uh, oh oh. Oh, what is yeah, that? What is that? Sorry. My finger oh. was just on it for three seconds and Merci. boom. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, I just went in Vornito. Okay, so anyway. So, I anyway. mean, these guys were there. We were driving it around the track. Um, I get back really blown blown away. But then again, I had so much more fun in the 147. I don't know why. It just felt so much more fun. The 147 touring car, of course. Any, the touring car, of course. But I would probably still drive the 147 uh, road car GTA than the 8C. It it was probably because it was more tweaked for the track. So uh, that could be, yeah, okay. yeah. But it was nice, and it wasn't even over. I mean, that was just Varano. We, they took us to the back end of the track, and they taught us how to do J turns and handbrake parking with the 147. My oh. God, it was I I was in reverse. Um, well, they're teaching you to make it to be stunt drivers. This is like a comprehensive course. Like I said, I was uh, very privileged enough to receive this gift. So, um, chuck it in reverse, uh, floor it till about 40, 50 kilometers an hour, pull the handbrakes, clutch, turn it, level the car off, first gear, run into another uh, another pylon, handbrake turn, turn back, handbrake parking, and that's it. Mind you, it's pretty hard to do the handbrake parking, man. <laughs> Especially when the handbrake is kind of hard to reach. But yeah, pulling a Russ Swift, eh? That's pretty Kim good. Swift. I mean, All right. Kim mm. Possible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it, it was very, very good. And, I mean, I have a really newfound respect for Alphas. Alphas that have zero resale value. But, yeah, the 147, sadly, is not in production anymore. But it was, it was a very good car. If somebody had oh. that... I would. I would. Sure they have it. some in uh, Port Irene. Huh? Eh? But the Possibly. parts are going to be hard to get. Uh, to oh get yeah, back. I know a guy who brought that. Who brought one in? It, it's it's a hassle to maintain. I, I know somebody I mean, who sold an an old Alpha for two hundred thousand. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, back to back to the subject. I mean, it uh, it's a it's a Fiat trip, but um, there were no um, no uh, no cars from Fiat, no Lancia, no. No, uh, there are no Lancias, but I drove the Fiat five hundred. The Fiat five hundred, I drove. Ah, yeah. On an obstacle course, and we drifted it also with the rollers. Basically, the obstacle course, there are elevated banks of steel. You go through it. Then you go up a very steep uh, incline. And at the end, just enough to fit the car, you stop there and you go down flights of stairs. Then after that, you go up a seesaw and you balance the car in the middle to make the seesaw go down. <laughs> then you go like down. like one of those Land Rover events. Yeah, but on, in a... A yeah, Panda and a 500. 500. A 500. It was the Fiat Panda and the 500. So you go down from that, and then you go into another hydroplaning uh, exercise, and that was it. Basically, it was everything was to prepare you for the track. So you what, what's, what's the 500 like? Is it is it like the Mini Cooper? You know, a, a really tight it's, handler. Yeah, it's a very tight handler, and it's a nice car. It felt a little bit. Well, I was driving a lot of race cars, so it felt a little soft. But it's, you know, ah, okay. I'm so excited if Fiat comes in. I so like that car, and I would like to get the Abarth version. It's a very oh, nice, yes, happy car. Yeah. It's the the fit and finish, the dash, the way it looks. It's very nice. I mean, I would prefer so, it over the Mini. What you drove was the Abarth version? No, no, it was just the regular Fiat 500. Ah, okay, okay. Sad to say, right. I wish I, I wish I could have driven uh, driven the Abarth, which I saw in the auto show. Uh, oh. This was uh, this was I mean day one and two in Varano, and it was amazing. I mean, I wish I could have had more time on the track, but uh, that's it. So the second day now was the ultimate time I had 
in this entire pilgrimage. First thing, we check in a hotel in front of the Ferrari track in Ma- in Maranello. Oh. Okay, Maranello oh. is the front of the track, and behind ma- the, the front of the factory and behind the factory is Fiorano. So there, it's like kind of like Pasig and like you know like Makati or you know kind of like that, like beside each other. So it's right smack so, in I the mean, middle. They finish the car and outside the door is a test track already. Yeah, I mean, and then if if you buy uh, let's say a five nine nine. GTO, you've got to take it on the track to bring all the kinks and problems out, you know. So um, I get on the track, and the only way you can ever go on Fiorano is either if you're invited or you buy a 599 GTO or up or an Enzo or something, or you have an existing Ferrari and you pay $10,000 for two days on the track, uh, 10,000 euros. So it's pretty exclusive. So I get in there. Once I get in there, oh, my God, we have lo- we, we get in. They suit us up. I see six F430, full race Scuderias, ready for us to drive it. Oh my God, in slicks. And then I see four F4, F360 challenge. Did, did, you see a, did you see a 430 that looked familiar? You know, something that might have like, you know, leftover marks from a camera pod. <laughs> <laughs> no, no blue ones there. They were Maybe all parts of a camera <laughs> on no the track. Blue ones. No blue ones, just red ones. So, um, <laughs> Challenge Radales, we're in the middle of the track, ready to be drifted. So I wait for my turn, right? Basically, I suit up, they give us fireproof gear, put it on, put a headset in, the helmet and everything. So I get in the car. When I start getting out of the track, this car is like 500-something horses. Light as a feather, 1,000, 1,200. Which one is, uh, which one is first? F430 Scuderia. So it's a, okay. about 1,200 kilos. All right? And then it's... 500 plus horsepower, bare as bare, sequential nice. gearbox. So I get in there, I get on the main straight, first corner, I break early, too early. I was like, oh my God, I think I'm a little scared of this car. So I take it out some more and I finally get to my, uh, I, I get my I get everything in centered and right by my third and last lap. So it took me a while to, you know, get all my uh, jitters and everything out. It was, an amazing, <laughs> it was an amazing car. Mind you, I had three, four hours of sleep the night before because I was so excited. I couldn't sleep. I was like going out of the balcony of my, my hotel uh, room. little boy. <laughs> I know, man. I mean, Christmas. <laughs> more than five Christmases. Oh, my God. The car was amazing. It was, it was, it was not like nothing ever. I mean, everything you see in a stock Scuderia is not there. The steering wheel, none of those switches, all driver aids off except uh, traction control. It was a blast. So after I did that, get get back, we had lunch. And then they said we were going to get in to a specially made three-seater, uh, three-seater F1 car. Sorry, oh, I mean... Oh, oh. Yeah. Uh, going back to the F430, there was a steering wheel, yes, JC, but it was not the regular <laughs> steering wheel with those knobs in it. It was just a plain one because they took all the aids off. Um, now, so, is this how they categorize it? I mean, you know, the the 360 was purely for for drift. Or yeah, they. It was they, more tail happy. You you no. It it was tuned it, that a, way. No, they just choose. They just chose to use that those cars for the drift, and the 430s for the track. Basically, it was tuned for track. But they just they just divided the cars. No particular reason. I don't know why, but maybe because they oh. were older cars, so they just used them for the drift. So probably the four. Oh, so, they, so they just throw three sixties away there. Yeah, it's, I, I it, don't know. <laughs> it's a useless, you know. <laughs> but um, the braking and what was scary about the uh, four thirty is the brake pedal was so soft, and then once you step on it, it was really soft. And I'm used to like braking hard and heel towing down. This is so I mean, soft. The, the, and then it Does bites it feel so hard. Connected to the pedal, or or it, Very, everything felt connected in that car. You, was you it a problem, feel... or was it really it, the way it was designed? I think it was the way it was designed. It wasn't really a problem, but it just took a little bit more getting used to. Um, since you're not using the clutch, I mean, you're, you're using the clutch downshifting. You're trying to put, and the clutch was actually really soft too. You're, you're trying to, you're using more of your right foot, right? So, um, so. In in the in the spur of the moment, everything's happening so fast. Sometimes you step, you're used to something, you step a little bit hard. There's a point where you can feel it already. It's a there's it's a little harder, but you might just lock the brakes. I mean, it's it's so powerful. The big brakes were probably 20 inches, 
19 uh, or 20 inches and the rear so you, can, brake, you can clearly feel that point where the where the brakes begin to lock you could there's a point where you can feel it, it's coming um uh, right. so uh yeah again they tell us that we're going into an f1 car especially designed three pod f1 cars so i was like oh my god i can't believe this is happening so we have lunch i see the f1 driver i was hoping it would be alonso or samasa or what um turns out to be uh Genet, Mark Genet from uh, Spain. Um, so he, we have lunch. He's there. As a uh, test driver. As a test driver. Yes. Um, uh, so I, we have lunch. We see him there. We get out and then while talking to one of the instructors, mind you, all our instructors who are with us are all I, accomplished drivers, either GT, uh, Porsche GT Cup champions, rally drivers, XF1 drivers, F3 drivers. They're all giving us pointers. This one driver who was with me and basically was assigned to us. He actually mm -hmm. showed us a picture that he was, during his karting, he actually raced here in Carmona a few years back. He was- Oh, really? Yeah, he, he, Carmona apparently was a destination uh, for karters before, worldwide. Wow. Yeah. He, what I happened? Mean, he's, he's, friends, <laughs> he's friends with Michelle Boomgardner. I don't know. Oh. Uh, so I, I meet, uh, so this guy was talking, he says, he shows me a picture. He was first place podium, and guess who was second? Massa. <laughs> And then, so it's, it's in funny. Carmona. No, in another track. Ah. I don't know where, but, oh, okay, okay. But it's, it's funny, right? I mean, the, the world. Maybe we should qualify that next time. Yeah. So um, this guy's good. Huh? He's really good. And the funny thing, he looks like Carlos Aldran and moves like him. So I told him, hey, you look like this famous guy in the Philippines who's in jail now. So she's laughing. <laughs> Ouch. So, um, not, a, not, a, not, a, not a way to make a first impression, man. <laughs> I don't know. You, you don't mention jail, you know. But he's a funny guy. He's pretty yeah. So they they think I'm everything I'm saying now are just bits and pieces of the entire five day trip. There's a lot of stuff that I, I can't even remember or I have. It will take too much time, but I'll get to the juicy parts. Wait, the F1, the F1. Not yet. I'm gonna talk about the drifting first. Okay, so this okay. guy, his name's uh, Alejandro, Alessandro. So we he drives us to the. <laughs> exactly. He was playing that song over and over again, man. Oh my. Oh my God. God. So he drives us to the drifting area. So it's just Mickey Mouse, small drifts. They wet the track, so it's a little slippier, slipper, slip, slippier. Anyway, a little more slippery. So um, they wet the track, so it's less stress in the car too. So they strap us in the F three sixties, right? So you get in there and it says, okay, you do a figure eight. You just drift out of there, each eight, right? Just a little drift out. So before I get in the car. Alessandro, who's ridden with me the time, and says, sees that I have experience, ridden with me most of the time, says, okay, that's the guy, all I can understand, blah, blah, blah. this guy, bravo, bravo. I said, okay, this guy's gonna go easy on you, right? So I, I get bored with doing like little drifts, and mind you, it's hard to sustain a drift in a mid-engine mid, mid car. When it goes, mm -hmm. it goes. When it stays, it stays. Yeah, so, it's hard to, to find that middle ground. Yeah, so I drift out a little bit, second eight, I drift out a little bit. And the third one, I said, uh, okay, I'm gonna do donuts. I said, can I do donuts? And what? Well, the the donuts they call it zeros there. Zero, zero. Okay. I said, can I do zero? Oh, okay. She said, no, 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 zero, no zero. You follow, you follow, you follow. Smooth, smooth. I said, okay, okay. Then I did the zero. <laughs> I did uh. the zero. I got it on video. Somebody took a video. I, I did the zero. Then halfway to the zero, finish. Okay, finito. So. I oh, okay. It, it was fun. I mean, it wasn't a big. No more playtime. <laughs> no more playtime. But you know, he says, "Okay, you go back. Okay, you go back." But okay, so we're ready for the F1 car, right? So after that, my God, each of us were going in to the the tech area. You go into the tech area, and there are like three guys dressing you. So you sit down. They give you uh, your headset, which is like pin small. You wrap it around like foam. You stick it in your ear. Then you wear your balaclava. When you wear your balaclava, there's a like a strip in front of your mouth. It's just like a little strip. It's the mic. So we put it in. We mm -hmm. I mean, put it in, put the helmet in. You put your uh, neck brace connected to the helmet. Then you're ready. You're waiting, right? Everything's like fireproof. You're waiting for the car. So each of you had the hand system. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. The hands, the head and neck protection system. Yeah, everything complete. Basically, I had whatever the F1 driver had. Oh, so, oh wow. We go into the pod. I was in the left pod. So it's so tight because you just had to fit that pod in, right? I, one of my knees were bent. This is a three-seater, right? It's a three-seater. <laughs> so basically, they team you up with somebody with almost equal weight. Okay, so 
The, I, was, it put, re- was it really tight in there? Very tight. Like um, it feels like you're in a bobsled. How tight? How like tight? <laughs> it was. It How was tight a, is it? Yeah. It was warm and tight. She, they had to put lube. <laughs> was it a little bit soggy? <laughs> it was a little bit soggy. It felt oh. like uh, it felt like resort. Someone had sweated it before you, huh? Nah. <laughs> 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 but anyway, yeah, back to the. <laughs> but yeah, Sorry. so I, I I go in right, so I get in, so they prepare. You go upstairs, just like going into a space shuttle, right, or an F one uh, or a fighter fighter jet. There's so stairs. They had up. to they had to weigh you to determine who sat on what side. They already knew our weights, so they yeah they determined which side and who you're gonna go with. So I went with this Ecuadorian guy on the right, name's Beto. So I go up uh, the stairs. Then you hold on. Beto? To, Beto, Berto, Be- uh, Alberto, so his nickname is Beto. So we go up the stairs, right? Um, I hold on to the bar on top, tuck myself in. My right foot was bent and my left foot was straight out in because basically right beside me was uh, the fuselage. I mean, the, the, the engine already. So I sit down and you plug in, they plug in, they strap you in like really tight. They plug in your gear for the headset so you can talk to the driver. And there's no a fake green... steering wheel. No, 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 no fake <laughs> steering wheel. I was directly looking straight in front, so the experience was awesome because you're seeing what the driver's seeing. So I could see the driver's eyes in the side view mirror. I could see uh-huh. what he. Would... Then there's a different like glow in a driver's eyes, man. He's when he's ready to go go out, right? So I think I he was gonna in. wink at you, man. <laughs> Maybe. I hope. I hope not. Well, <laughs> so, action in the room. <laughs> and then anyway. um, they give me a dead man switch, right? So if you have a heart attack or anything, you let go of the dead man switch. The guy calls, and if you don't respond, they stop. So I was holding onto the dead man switch like for dear life. I didn't want it to end. So as we get out, just just tape that thing. I sat on it like crazy. So <laughs> as, we, as as we went out, we went out right. So we we go out. They they crank up the the engine. Then you could hear it go like that pure serene sound, and then a little bit of sound of thunder and lightning because you're in an no, enclosed space. Like, do it again. No, I'm not gonna do it again. <laughs> <laughs> no, so, is this car a previous season F1? Like you know? Um, no, it's a special in, in the past F1 for. So it's up to 2010 very, spec, yes, or is it it's, in a previous it's, season? It's only on Fiorano. It's only I think five seconds slower. Than the actual F1 car, and which is carrying two extra people. And yeah. the uh, guy, who, the engineer, was saying, "We apologize for the five seconds. We'll try to improve." You know. It's, anyway, so we get, I get out. You better. <laughs> so as I get out, the main street, it wasn't that long because you just get out of the pits, right? You get out, the first corner comes. Okay, this is fine. You can take it. Then he starts speeding up. You get into this long right-hand bend. Oh my God, the G-forces, literally what you read, you can feel all your organs, everything move to the left. And it's nothing it, nothing on it, like no roller coaster will compare. It's like, and then you can hear the car, you can see what you're seeing. For, for the first lap, I knew that, where that I was. That touring car didn't come close to this feeling. Nothing, man, nothing. I, you know, before that, I thought, I, you know, why didn't they make us drive the F1 car? Now, when I got in there, oh my God, how the hell can he drive this like this? I mean... When I get into the a couple more turns, you go up. There's in Fiorano, there is a bridge that you go up. That if you go fast enough, it jumps a little bit, kind of like the Nurburgring. He goes up that. My God! And then sudden right. For the first lap, I I still knew knew where I was. After the main straight, on the main straight, you're pushing 300 kilometers an hour. My God! Your head, which is attached to the neck brace, and you're attached to the car, with the you're strapped on into the car. Your head at top speed feels it's just shaking it feels like a leaf in the wind you can't control it it's just like shaking like 300 in Fiorano probably two something I couldn't see the speedometer but it's a pretty small track it is a small track but but the main street is long probably 200 I've I've I was able to do 200 plus so I'm sure that was nothing 230 240 that was nothing close to 230 240 I was able to do 200 something 210 maybe 200 on the F430 Imagine this car, right? Okay, yeah, it, it could do 260, 270 easy. Exactly. So I'm going straight on this car, right? And then after like two, three more seconds, I did not know where I was in the track. It was that fast. I got lost. And mind you, I was driving this track for a couple of laps before this. Uh-huh. So I totally oh. lost. I mean, every corner. So 
every corner was just amazing, especially the hairpins, and then you, you feel the sudden break. The braking was amazing. All I could think of is, if this car crashes, nothing nothing will be left behind. If this goes head on into a wall, nothing of us will be left behind. That was, I mean, if you die in an F1 car, I can understand the glory that the drivers would feel. My God, man. I mean, not a bad way to go. It's not a bad way to go at all. Yeah. I, I we I found out, you know how much each lap costs to run that F1 car? It costs 3,500 3, euros, which is roughly about 200 plus thousand pesos. They gave me four laps on that car. So as I got down, bad business every, model. Every everybody who gets down from that car after you get down huge smile even when they you know you're in the the photos i see in your helmet you can see a sparkle in the eye after i go down oh my god it was just an amazing experience i mean even if you wanted to pay for it you couldn't you need to be invited i mean these cars were specially made for our very generous benefactors all i can say i mean it really f1 is the pinnacle of motorsports i oh, love ra- i love rally rallying but F1 definitely is the pinnacle. Mm-hmm. All right, and uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> I guess that's our cue. <laughs> oh, that's our cue to, to anyway, end this thing. Yep, yep. I guess so. so again, yes, we owe our thanks to to you, Kim, for taking the time to share Thank this with us. Thank you very much. You're very, very Thank generous you, benefactor. And yes. we hope they'll invite us next time too. <laughs> yeah, fingers crossed. All right, so uh, I guess that sums up uh, our episode for tonight. Um, of course, uh, regular Clunker Cast programming will resume in the next episode. Um, again, if you have questions, if you have a Clunker you want to talk about, just drop us a line at clunkercast at gmail.com. That's C-L-U-N-K-E-R-C-A-S-T at gmail.com. All right, so you know, send us your letters. We'll be waiting. And um, that's Clunker Cast. Um, this has been your host, Igor Rosses. Um, along with Vince Pornelos. Thank you, thank Say you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And of course, our very, very special guest, who is always welcome, Kim Liu. Hi, guys. Thanks. And last but certainly not the least, um, the silent guy tonight, <laughs> the man behind all the, the technicalities, Mr. JC Polito. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye-bye. <laughs> That's the show. See ya, folks.